Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 152, recorded on Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. We are your host, Guy, Tim, and Bob. On tonight's episode, we answer 10-ish burning questions from this past weekend's D23 Expo. The good, the bad, and the indifferent. Uh, typically, we kick the news over to Tim, and it's kind of all news tonight. So, Tim? Yeah, as you said, Guy, uh, it, there's no news because it's kind of all news. Um, but just in case you came to the show in the last couple years when the pandemic has kind of put the D23 Expo on hold, um, or you don't remember the marathon length D23 predictions episode or D23 recap episodes from 2019, um, I just wanted to break down a little bit what the D23 Expo is. It's a uh, biennial, every other year uh, exposition, convention, kind of like a Comic-Con just for Disney and the brands it owns. And obviously this year, since we haven't had one since 2019, uh, there's more brands than ever before with the uh, Fox acquisition. So now Hulu is represented, FX is represented, FFX, along with, you know, ESPN, Disney Parks. Disney uh, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, Disney Animation, and Disney Walt Disney Studios. So this is really um, kind of your go-to one-stop shop for all your big or supposedly big Disney announcements that are uh, going to be upcoming for the next two years. This is really Disney's stage to have a captive and receptive audience of people who have paid a lot of money to be there, basically to hear these announcements and interact with these people. And uh, it's supposed to be kind of like sneak peeks and exclusives and really build hype for the next, uh, you know, two years and beyond of Disney. Um, that said, and we're, we're going to get into it, I, I don't know if this year's uh, D23 really did that for me. And uh, how about you, Bub? I, I know you got a list of some of the stuff that we're not going to cover in the questions, some, some miscellaneous uh, news that was there on the first day of the, the convention this year. You know, Tim, it's it's funny that we are now in our second cycle with a with a D23 Expo. And I remember the excitement back and we recorded almost four hours or a little more than four hours on, on two episodes. Uh, I hope to God. And, I, and, and for the listener, I told these two gentlemen that if we get anywhere near either of the times, uh, I quit the show because I don't know that I have it in me to talk about this D23 quite in, quite in as glowing terms as it was a few years ago. Uh, I will be honest, Tim, underwhelmed um, by a lot of it. I, I think we all discussed it in the Discord. Um, a, a lot of the announcements were repeat announcements from the last couple years of events that we've seen. Uh, Destination D comes to mind that did in, in Florida last year for the kickoff to the 50th. Um, so I, I think there were a couple things lost, though, from that Friday night, Saturday time frame uh specifically um we're looking 
at the precipice of the the 100 year Disney 100, uh, the, the 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 100 years of wonder or whatever they're calling it, um, it, that starts in some global parks as early as January of this year. And Bob, for the listeners, uh, Disney 100, that's the 100th anniversary of the company itself, of, of Walt Correct. Disney as a company, not the parks, not the studios, but everything overall, 100 years since Walt founded right. the company. Yep. So it, it's wild to me that here we are 100 years later. Um, that's the whole impetus for D23. D23, the 23 represents the year the company was founded. So uh, some of the the global parks, Shanghai, uh, J- Japan, uh, Paris, they're getting a lot of different things, too. Um, I don't think tonight is our night to go global with this. I think we're going to touch on the mountain of the mountain of content they gave us for Disney Plus and like Tim said, Hulu FX, things like that. Um, we're going to touch on the, the domestic parks and we're going to talk on the, the cruise line for a little bit. And then we're going to get some overall um, feelings, overall grades maybe uh, on this as well. For me, the biggest thing that I took away from the first couple of days was the the confirmation, the announcement. We already knew this was happening, but that the Walt Disney Archives presentation did feature an ex- a, a sneak peek at the exhibit, Disney 100, the exhibition. It will be coming to Philadelphia's Franklin Institute in February of 2023. This is basically a touring version of their archive exhibits. And Tim, I've never been to the Disney archives or, or the or Imagineering archives, stuff like that. I don't know if either of you guys, Tim or Guy, have had the pleasure of doing that, or even the Walt Disney Museum out in San Francisco. I have, I have not done that either. Uh, but things that are certainly on my bucket list of things to do. Um, this is going to be an all-encompassing traveling exhibit. They have it set up to go to Kansas City, um, like we said, Philadelphia, Chicago, and then internationally to Munich. There will be more dates added through the rest of this year and, and, and into I really think they want to see how well it's going to do, and knowing this uh, presentation is going to be, you know, 15,000 square feet, I imagine this does really well. That traveling Pixar, the Science of Pixar exhibit, goes to runs the circuit of science museums throughout the country, uh, so I don't think this is going to be any different. I think this will be around for a, a few years anyway. Um, certainly, it's running from uh, f- in Philadelphia from February 18th through the end of summer. So I, I think it's going to be wild. It's going to be wildly successful. Now, guys, this is one that snuck past. I feel like even the diehards that were in Anaheim at the convention center, because it is something that isn't necessarily parks related, but it is really cool. I think this is one of those low key things people should be excited for if you're in those areas of Kansas City, Chicago, Munich, or Philadelphia over the next uh, 18 months or so. Guy, let's uh, let's bring you in here. What are your thoughts on a traveling exhibit like this? Because it, it, it's going to be cool. You know, we were talking about it pre-show, and I, I think that's going to kind of sum it up. Um, if it came to Boston, we were really into it, and going to Philly seemed more like a hassle. Um, I do think it's going to blow up and be super successful and travel a lot more. It's not something that I would ever drive eight hours for, uh, but if it was in Boston, maybe even New York, I would definitely go see it. Um, it's great that they're just getting this stuff out there, and it's a shame that a lot of this stuff kind of lives in warehouses. And I think it's really smart to get that history out there during the 100 years um, and just kind of ge- regenerate interest in a lot of stuff. You know, there could be a really cool exhibit from, you know, a movie that people don't really think about. And maybe that sparks some interest. And, you know, it can go a lot of ways 
for the company that's nothing but positive. It's not something they could ever lose money on. Um, I think it's really smart. Definitely something interesting and definitely something for everybody. So you're saying we have an outside chance at seeing the Rocketeer or Dick Tracy get their due. Absolutely. Excellent. Those are two films that are must-sees for people. I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Tim, what are your thoughts on a trip to Philadelphia next summer? I mean, I, I, I as I said before, uh, we started recording. That that is kind of something I plan on doing. The, these exhibits are usually very, very successful. And um, if any of you you listeners saw any of the coverage for D23 where the Disney Archives people is kind of part of a preview of of what's to come in this exhibition, what they're doing to get the archives ready to go on the road, um, the Waltz plane, full restoration, and the stuff that they restored or recreated from the inside of it, and the Haunted Mansion uh, section of the original Haunted Mansion of the props that have long, long been taken out um, of the attic and now restored uh, and were set back up in that configuration at the exhibition. If it's that sort of stuff, and that level of polish and that level of care and love and interesting sorts of things, this is going to be wildly successful. Uh, Bubby brought that Science of Pixar exhibit. That thing has been on the circuit for at least five years, if not six. Rachel and I went to it years and years ago yeah. in Boston and had a blast. I think it's been back to Boston twice since then. It was yeah, just back this summer again, Tim. It's, I think this is the third cycle through. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those where um, – it, it it's attached to the Disney 100 thing at first. And then after we get too far away from that date, it, it just kind of becomes, uh, you know, the Walt Disney Archives uh, exhibition, uh, maybe changes name a little bit and they change what artifacts are, are on display. But I, I think this will be working its way through the History Museum um, circuit for for many, many years to come and, and almost certainly will be a worthwhile um thing if if you're into you know museums and that sort of thing mm-hmm. dc it's almost a given that it's going to yeah. end up in dc because there's so many of the museums in the smithsonian um family that this this could fit in they could do it at you know and they also could do it in la at um uh, the the academy museum uh there, there's any number of cities that haven't been announced yet uh, where, where this would certainly fit in. Uh, American History Museum in uh, New York is another one. For me, this seems like a really solid uh, glow up for Walt Disney One Man's Dream that used to be at the Hol- at Hollywood Studios. Um, th- that's how I'm, I'm looking at it. And I'm hopeful that it does kind of hit those same notes. Uh, I, I think that people forget just how exceptional Walt Disney One Man's Dream was when it opened for his 100th birthday celebration, which is not to be confused with this uh event as well but boys listen that's small potatoes let's get right into it we're coming out the box right to walt disney world that is the focal point of our show most of the time so that's where we're going to start tonight like i did say earlier uh, anything you know about the shanghai uh tokyo or or france expansions those are all still happening all coming Uh, we're going to focus on the domestic parks tonight if you do have questions about the international uh, parks or anything we missed tonight uh, Disney Plus does have the Saturday and Sunday events streaming uh, online right now so you can go to Disney Plus and watch a lot of these events or at least uh, encapsulated versions of these events so anything we did miss let us know or go to Disney Plus check it out uh, but guys the biggest news to me was that I, I, I think finally Disney might be listening to us again 
uh, again, I say, because they have listened to us in the past based on things they've done. They announced that, and Jordana was very excited about this, Disney Enchantment is going to be, quote-unquote, replaced or taxied on to with Happily Ever After. There was some wording differences that they said Happily Ever After the song is coming back. There's other reports that Happily Ever After in its entirety is coming back and replacing Enchantment. And and the big curveball that I, I did not see, Tim, I will be honest, you could have given me a hundred guesses. I never would have thought we'd be having this conversation on the Monday night after Expo that Harmonious is already being lined up to be replaced by a new 100 years show. Uh, is this a white flag that, hey, we screwed up those nighttime shows? Does this set a dangerous precedent going forward, or is this just them saying, yeah, we, we need to make those shows better? Tim, let's let's go with you first here tonight. Well, first of all, I just want to say, uh, friend of the show, Carly Wiesel, and this is a quote, uh, did say, yeah, the messaging was very confusing about the happily ever after thing, but quote, she said, uh, don't worry, folks. Happily Ever After is coming back. Uh, I can't really say much more, but don't worry. Happily Ever After is coming back. So it sounds like the messaging was very weird because they did yeah. say the song, but then they clarified, but they didn't. But it is definitely going to be a, a new version of Happily Ever After, but it is going to be Happily Ever After. Uh, that said, I don't think this sets a dangerous precedent. I think this is incredibly interesting because it is certainly a white flag. Basically, this is Disney saying that these extremely synergy-based shows, these shows that were really there to showcase the streaming content available to bring a, a all-out full-court press of IPs into the nighttime spectaculars uh, failed, that that they, they were not good enough, that they were not special enough, and they do not have staying power past their advertised hey, these are for the 50th run. Uh, now, the the Disney Enchantment um, always felt temporary. Um, happily Ever After never got Happily Ever After is going away merch in the same way um, that all the past nighttime spectaculars uh, that were b beloved by fans did. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it did get a last performance, but that was just streamed on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Um, that said, I, I didn't expect the show coming back to be happily ever after. I think the more interesting one, though, is Harmonious. Um, they made choices with Harmonious, uh, namely the four barges that took years and years of construction ramping up to that show where there was a placeholder show that would have run for more, much longer than it even did already. Uh, but the parks were shut down from the pandemic and then opened without nighttime entertainment, uh, Epcot forever. And uh, they moved these gigantic barges in that completely ruined the sight lines um, in, in the World Showcase Lagoon uh, to do this show and do this incredibly complex projection mapping onto water. And uh, literally just in the last couple of weeks got those uh, barges finished to the point where uh, a feature that I wasn't even aware was a feature of them is, is during the day they were not supposed to be these giant hideous black barges but in fact um, have waterfall style fountains coming off all flat surface of them so they kind of look like giant fountains 
uh, in the center of the lagoon rather than just these barges. And that just started up very, very recently. And now, um, you know, Harminus is going away. Um, I, I, I'm sure the next show is going to heavily incorporate those barges uh, just s- simply due to the, the, the engineering cost and, and, and dollar cost to get them in there. Uh, but yeah, I, obviously Harmonious uh, did not have the results they thought it was going to if they're throwing in the towel this quickly on it. Um, Guy, what are your thoughts on this? Um, so I'll say this first as a 33-year-old man who cries every single time uh, Mufasa comes on to uh, Happily Ever After. Um, I mean, I'm definitely happy it's coming back. Um I am. I do kind of have mixed feelings about it, though, because I feel like they're kind of giving in to the worst of the Disney fan who like I think if especially more um, with the Epcot show, like if they let it breathe a little bit more, I feel like people would have got, you know, into it more. I was never one of the people who hated it. I know I'm kind of in the minority of that, um, but I always thought it was a fun fireworks show. Um, that kind of incorporated a lot of different things. It exposed a lot of people to a lot of different culture that they weren't really getting before. I thought that was great. And yeah, it was kind of an eyesore, um, you know, but it was still, I think if it would have had more time, it would have been a lot more accepted. Maybe it never becomes that kind of iconic show, um, but I think it definitely would have been more well-received than it was now. What do you think, Bob? Harmonious's number one problem is that it isn't Illuminations. That's it. I mean, Illuminations ran consistently for 20 years in that park. I was just going to say, all my (laughs) Disney World memories are of have Illuminations, which means it was the entirety of from when I was a very little kid until I was a young adult. Well, I mean, basically until very, yeah. very recently. And, and and the beauty of Illuminations is that it told a story that was relevant to Epcot. Harmonious just could literally be in any Disney theme park in the world. And I think that is where the vocal minority, or in this case, I think the vocal majority, like Guy said, was so anti-Harmonious from the moment it wasn't Illuminations. Um, I just I think that's its biggest strike against it. I, I don't know that the barges, like Tim said, they get the fight. The barges are the barges. Make no mistake, the hundred year show is going to use those barges. The barges aren't going away. It's just the content's going to be different. I'm interested to see what they mean by the hundred years show because that that could conceivably literally be anything in the company's history. Are we going to get? Davy Crockett and some of it for America. Like, are we going to get the old, old stuff too? I, I'm just curious to see how how wide that birth truly is uh, on this new show. My fingers are crossed that we at least get a little bit of that Epcottiness back. Because I, I've seen Harmonious a couple times now, and I was a hater. And then when I saw it live, I was like, oh, this isn't a bad little show. Right. But then as soon as you remember you're in Epcot, this has no nothing to do with Epcot other than that they picked IPs that vaguely are from different Correct. nations around the world. I am really hoping it has some of that signature Epcot weirdness that um what was the Millennium Celebration parade? Oh, Tapestry of Nations and Tapestry of Dreams. Two yeah, of yeah, the yeah. best nighttime parades you've ever seen. If if we get that sort of not not as out there as those, but you know, that kind of unique art direction, that unique flair that 
just yeah. pure Epcotiness, and then you know, put some IP in there, put some properties in there that are going to bring the kids in and bring the casual people in, mm-hmm. but really make it feel like something that is anchored to that place, especially with Epcot having a big anniversary on the horizon. Correct. I mean, listen, we could discuss this one question probably the entire night and go around in a circle. We got a lot more. I don't think this one's going to be as long. It's just an observation that I made when I was making notes. Tron got its quasi opening date of spring of 2023 we got journey of moana's journey of water which is going to feature a 16 foot version of tafiti which great pretty cool end of 2023 guy and then the splash mountain refurb to tiana's bayou adventure or or whatever we're calling it and spoiler alert disneyland is also getting uh, a restaurant and, and a shop too but that's either here or there End of 2024. And again, speculation is that once it goes down in January, that's it. So we're looking at at least almost two full calendar years of No Splash Mountain as well. What the hell is going on over there with Tron being a spring of 2023? I I still don't know what Journey of Water is to this day, even after looking at the concept art. It's a walkthrough water exhibit that the rock work is already getting painted. How the hell is that another year, 18 months out? Guy, what's going on over at Epcot and and Disney in general with these construction projects? Um, You know, and we touched on it last week, too. When we went to Magic Kingdom in June, and then when we just went back, um, you know, two weeks ago, Tron looked identical. They were doing the same part of the walkway as they were before. Didn't look like they made any progress on that. Um, I mean, I was really insulted with the Splash Mountain display that they had, where it was literally like, hey, we've been talking about this for over almost two years now, and we have a water tower with a name on it, and then yeah. we have a little sign that says, welcome to, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, right. it looks like literally somebody didn't read a book and was trying to do a book report, and they just slapped that together. Um, I don't really understand it. If they do shut down Splash Mountain for two years, um, I think that's a big mistake because at this point it doesn't feel like they have anything planned. I think they should have everything concrete ready to go before they swap over. And what I don't get with it, too, is like they just talked about it like it was kind of going to be an overlay. So if right. they come back with an overlay after two years, I think yep. people are going to instantly hate the ride. And I think the ride has so much potential. Hey, you're getting a new missing effect, guy. That, that was something they tried to sell – there's a new misting effect that we're working on. I don't know what that means either. I, I, I'm at this point. I have no clue what, first of all, I'm going to mention this later on. Tron is an eight year old concept of a roller coaster at this point. It's taken five years to build a off the shelf clone of an attraction. I, I, it blows my mind. We're still talking about it not being done. And then again, I, I and Tim, maybe you can answer this. Have you done the research? What is this journey of water and why is that still 18 months away? Yeah, I, I don't I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what my answer to what the hell is going on here. Disney, you want to talk about throwing up a white flag. This this is the white flag. The the undercurrent of all Orlando Parks discussion for the last couple months since Universal gave us their tentative window for the opening of Epic Universe is um has been what is Disney's return to this massive salvo that Universal just fired. And um, now we know it it was a wet fart. 
Like we, as you said, it's a clone of a ride, a walkthrough attraction. I'm, I've tried to look into this multiple times. I, I follow the Imagineer who designed it on Instagram, and no one has adequately explained what this is other than a walkthrough. And then this Splash Mountain uh, refurb that I, I couldn't say any better than Guy. It looks like they, they ran out of time and took the existing Splash Mountain model and slapped two tiny things on it. Uh, here's the thing that blows my mind about all this um, is it's not like Disney doesn't have the ability to do mind-blowing new rides. Right. I mean, look at Rise of the Resistance. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Look overseas. Look at Beauty of the Beast in Tokyo. Winnie the Pooh in Tokyo. Pirates in Shanghai that's been open since the park opened. Disney has the ability to make attractions that redefine how people look at attractions. Mm -hmm. And now they have said, no, we're fine. In 2025, when Epic Universe opens, we are okay with Universal Orlando having the most technologically advanced whiz-bang, holy crap, we need to plan a trip now theme park on the planet when Disney could have done a hell of a lot more than this to really get ready for that. This was not snuck up on them, you know? Well, it's funny you should mention 2025 and beyond because guy i'll give you the 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 juicy fastball on this one because i gave tim the juicy fastball at the nighttime shows so i'll go to you first with this one so you're not just constantly saying well i agree you know i think we want to get away from that tonight there was a sneaky curveball at the end of this presentation what is behind thunder mountain i'm gonna give you five answers i'm gonna give you five options here okay because to me one of the answers is correct. The rest of them are irrelevant to this conversation because this is one of those things where they're pumping everyone's tires. Like, see, we do care to answer Tim's question. What is their big answer? Their big answer is going to be, Guy, is it going to be A, Villain's Kingdom behind Thunder Mountain, which I still have looked at the map. I don't see the space. Coco, okay, Coco getting his own land. I'm down. You, you could redo the Mexico Pavilion. It's already there. And Kento, which we all agree deserves its proper respects, wherever it may be. Uh, admittedly, my biggest fear is they look at the Haunted Mansion and say, hey, we can do the the, the the casita right there and we can just make it fun. But that's neither here nor there. Is it D, all of the above? Or is it my preferred answer? None of this is ever freaking happening behind Big Thunder Mountain. Guy, go ahead. So you asked me a baseball question, and I'll kind of answer with a baseball question as far as 2025. So in keeping with the state of Florida, I kind of feel like they're taking a page out of the the now Miami Marlins uh, playbook, and they're trading away their stars, and they're trying to rebuild for, you know, 2028 because they know they have no shot of competing in 2025. There's absolutely zero space behind Big Thunder Mountain I don't know because even there's a, a little chunk of land over there that's small that that's a quarter of the size of Big Thunder Mountain. So what the hell are you going to put back there? And more importantly, Disney, what I would like to know: when's the train coming back? Why that's what's behind Big Thunder Mountain for me is that little train track. So why don't we worry about that before we start? And again, another thing I hate too is that it's not like Disney's coming out and saying these things that they don't you know, that they never deliver on. They've broken enough promises that they've kind of learned to not do that. Now they're just leaking it through the press. And it's a lot of this 
BS. It, it's kind of like wrestling, and it's hey. it's sad that it's getting this way. But it's like everybody just sheets. wants to be right. So everybody so, is just getting the I heard this, I heard that. They're gonna do this, and they just put out this when there's not even a kernel of truth. They just put out this BS just to be first in case God forbid it happens. It's you know it's them replacing the the bears. You know what I mean? It's it's all that stuff. Everybody is. You know, WDW today, they're all, I hate to say fake news, but you know what I mean? Like, it's all BS. Correct. So I, I look at this question that Josh DeMauro asked, what's behind Thunder Mountain? That's our next big project. What's behind Thunder Mountain? I say it must be the plans to Project Gemini or Gemini, depending on which part of the country you're from, when they were going to make Spaceship Earth into a Time Racers roller coaster. That's what I see behind Big Thunder Mountain. I see you telling me we could use that land. We can shut down the railroad for four more years. No one cares. And expand into the employee land. And and I just Tim, what are me and Guy missing? Because if anybody can stand on the shoulders of a genius like Josh Demaro and see the light of day into 2030 it's got to be you because me and guy are down on this project and this plan because we just don't think it's ever going to happen you have to be the guy that says no 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 you guys are missing x out of this conversation honestly i think what you're missing is the same thing i'm missing which was the memo where we talked about how individual ips got their own areas in the magic kingdom because that's never been a thing you know we have fantasy land and Tomorrowland and Adventureland. And uh, I mean, if we want to even go to the West Coast and look at Castle Parks there, I guess we have Star Wars, but that's a whole IP universe. Why are individual movies possibly getting their own land and area? It's just, this is, this feels so reactive. And again, it feels the same as the water tower and the banner and the little bit of bayou detailing to replace the briar patch in the front of Splash Mountain. This feels like, oh shit, we are gonna get owned when all we have is a a, a, a five-year-old announcement of a clone roller coaster, uh, a walkthrough attraction that no one understands, no matter how much information about it we put out, and uh, really dire news about the Splash Mountain retheme. And um, I mean, you saw it when they they got on stage this portion. They're like, now for Blue Sky, uh, you know, what's behind what's far behind Big Thunder Mountain? And then I believe they said far, far, far or something to that effect. I mean, this this just gives them unlimited runway to be like villains, Coco and Kanto, uh, only murders in the building, the Kardashians, uh, ESPN's football cool zone. Uh, the ESPN basketball or the NBA experience 2.0. Who knows what's behind Big Thunder Mountain? Big Thunder Mountain so big, anything could be in the shadow of that place. But uh, it's going to be a long time before we find out, guys. So I'm evolving my theory here. I'm evolving my theory based on what you just said. I, I, I have a, just, can I just, I have one thing. Honestly, what I was getting at and, and what my theory honestly is, is, is they are because of the pandemic and because of the the latter half of the Iger era being acquisition mania, um, there's been a lot of talk from the company and, and uh, that that maybe cash on hand was not where it, it, it should have been. And then the pandemic obviously brought that amount down way, way lower than it should. And, and obviously Disney's recovered and its stock 
went to record highs and now is back at, you know, high, high end of where it had been prior to the pandemic. But I'm wondering if what we're really seeing is them trying to spackle over the fact that they don't have nearly as much cash on hand as they would like after some of the highest dollar entertainment acquisition, the highest dollar entertainment acquisition in the history of the planet Earth. And I, I really honestly do think that is what we are seeing right now. Listen, that's perfectly fine, and I don't even begrudge them that. That's perfectly content. Uh, Bob Chapek is on record as saying, we didn't understand how much it was going to cost and what it was going to cost to feed the beast of Disney+. Plus. I, I get that. They, I, he said it. I don't know if it was here or on an investment call with the wall. I forget which it was because he's been on. He's making a lot of rounds lately. Um, but he said that outright, that I, we didn't understand what it was going to be to feed the Disney plus beast, which I think is an incredible moment of clarity from them because it, everything is always so shrouded in uh, a, a, a ball in a cup, you know, ooh, three ball balls over here, balls over here. It, it's very interesting. What I see here, when I see uh, a villain's kingdom, as we call it, and an entire cocoa area, an entire Encanto area, an entire, as you said, Kardashian or Only Murders in the Building. Love the deep, Only Murders in the Building. If you're not watching on Hulu, great show. Highly recommended. Um, I'm seeing a fifth gate in 2040. I'm seeing a fifth gate 20 years from now with Villains Kingdom and, and Coco and Encanto. And if Coco and Encanto remain evergreen, which I think for the most part, they're, they're fairly well liked. So I think they will. But enough speculation about 20 years from now. Tim, Hatbox and Figment. Coming in different ways. Hatbox goes coming to the East Coast, kind of a big deal. Not really a big deal. It is what it is. Um, figment, kind of cool. We still don't really know if it's going to be a life-size figment, if it's going to be some sort of figment you can hold, because figment's very ambiguous in size. Um, keeping in mind the loads of merchandise already printing money for the Haunted Mansion, featuring the Hatbox Ghost and Figment's merchandise, specifically the popcorn bucket, which is a bigger deal here? Figment kind of coming back. Or the Hatbox Ghost and inevitably the tie-in to the new movie when that comes out. Because that's what this is about. This isn't about a goodwill gesture that the Hatbox Ghost is so beloved they're bringing home from the West Coast. This is a strictly synergistic move with the movie that comes out. Which, by the way, also got some some peeps talking over the weekend. Um, And Tim, if it is Figment, I'm curious on what you're hopeful that his meet and greet is. Is it a full-fledged, six-foot-tall purple dragon, or is it something a little smaller, akin to what uh, Grogu and Mandalorian will be in Disneyland? I mean, I think for sure it's easily Figment. I'm a Haunted Mansion nut, and I love the Hatbox Ghost, but this is just a pure, raw, capitalizing on synergy for their next big movie thing. And all I got to say about that is that Hatbox Ghost better be the Hatbox Ghost, that fits in with the Haunted Mansion <laughs> and not some Jared Leto abomination. I'm kind of hopeful that it's Jared Leto just to see you flip it, out. It, it's bad enough that Jared Leto is going to be who's playing the Hatbox Ghost, who's presumably, it sounds like, a very large character in this movie. I feel like Disney would have learned their lesson after they just had to weather the storm of the the Depp Heard trial about you know bringing on controversial uh, and, and and difficult actors, but apparently they did not learn their their lesson there, and, and are wading back into these troubled waters with a far more volatile actor than Johnny Depp. 
Uh, that said, I, I'm super excited for Figment. Obviously, they've milked that little purple fucker uh, for all he's worth. In um, that is a quote. Look it up, guys, if you're not familiar with that reference. Um, for all he's worth in every festival uh, for quite a while now. Uh, and this is really just reaffirming that Figment is a core character to Future World and that Figment is kind of the unofficial Epcot mascot for that half of the park. Uh, I really hope what his meet greet looks like is actually like the Figment, the size he is throughout most of his ride, that kind of uh, two foot uh, mm -hmm. range. And that what we'll see is kind of like the baby Raptor meet and greet. They sometimes have at universal where you'll <laughs> have a, a dream finder in the full, as a face character in the full outfit with then holding the animatronic figment puppet that would then have um, uh, the triggered like uh, branching tree style voice lines like um, like Stormtroopers and Kylo Ren and Galaxy's Edge do. Maybe maybe it won't be a puppet. Maybe it'll be like a, a dream finder and, and like a, a figment animatronic remotely controlled puppet on a <clears throat> pedestal or something to that effect. Uh, but that, that's that's honestly what my my realistic hope for what it is. Um, meet and greet characters aside, did you see the Wally meet and greet character that they had going around the exhibition? Yeah. They yeah, need we to that bring that parts. to yeah. Epcot yesterday. Yeah. Um, and they also need to bring the Baymax meet and greet back. <laughs> so I will tell you before I go to Guy because I want to. I didn't really ask him this, and I want to ask Guy this as well because I know that Jordana is a big fan of the Imagination Pavilion as a whole. So did they miss the mark when they announced Figment in this way to not take a step back and say, we really, really, really need to do something with that pavilion? Because that, that would have that popped a rating like you wouldn't believe. If they had come there on Sunday and said, Figment meet and greet's coming back, and one more thing, we're redoing the entirety of the Imagination Pavilion, and it's going to be all Figment all the time. You're getting the two-level ride back. You're getting... So, Guy, I know Jordana has a lot of feelings about Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and that corner of the park in particular. Do you share the same sentiments for Figment? Are you excited that Figment's coming back? Do you give a crap about the Hatbox Ghost? And same question that I asked him, what are you hopeful for out of that meet and greet? Uh, so just to jump right, you know, answer them, you know, in the complete opposite order. When it comes to the meet and greet, I think Tim Tim's idea would be an absolute home run, which is why it's just going to be a six foot character meet and greet guaranteed. That's how I imagine it. Um, I'm sure they're not going to dump a lot of money into it. I'm sure they have a lot of figment suits ready to go that they're just going to pump out for pictures. And um, that'll be that. Um I think they have so much going on with the center of Epcot right now that they couldn't get to fixing that pavilion for at least four years. So I'm actually okay with them holding off on announcing that. I think they will eventually get to that because that's part of the park needs to be updated. Um, so I think we do eventually get there. But for me with Figment, it's such a huge deal for us. Um, Figment is kind of an unofficial mascot for the autism community and the ADHD community. Um, and it kind of represents what Disney does great as a whole is, and that's a lot, big reason why, you know, my family, we go to Disney all the time. It's when we're there, 
you know, Sal doesn't get treated differently. He gets treated like everybody else. Um, and that's what we've always loved about Disney. And that's what we love about Figment. Uh, you know, some people say it's just a mediocre ride. Now I can say, well, that mediocre ride is the face of Epcot. So that's kind of a huge deal for us, too. Um, and then just to jump over to the Hatbox Ghost, it better work. Um, and again, just like Tim said, it better not be a bastardized version, like a Jared Leto version. But I feel like that's what we're going to get. So you Tim had the great idea I... for the meet and greet. We're not going to get that. Tim has the nightmare situation for the Hatbox Ghost. We're going to get that. Um, that's kind of how Disney works. But I digress. You guys, are, you guys are down on Expo, huh? You guys are down on what they announced. We um, haven't even gotten negative yet, bub. We're, we're, we're going to start beef, ramping beef up on stra- We have straddled the line. And if anything is going to get me cooking, it'll be this next one. Because for the life of me, we have had this conversation on this show, Guy. I think before you run the show, when you've been on the show... Now that you're officially on the show, Dino Land, Blue Sky Concepts again, because they threw Blue Sky around very liberally, very liberally at this presentation. Moana and Zootopia would be the quote-unquote replacements for Dino Land USA. If you're not on our Discord, I will give you a Reader's Digest version of what I think a Zootopia dinosaur attraction would be it would be you'd be joining the zpd you'd have to go catch flash the sloth if you've seen the movie you know he's a speed demon in the car and you wouldn't it wouldn't change that ride really at all because that ride is in essence just a really scary dark ride it's not fast moving really in any way it, it the car itself the the ride vehicle is controlled by the different hydraulics so it, it's a pretty much a flat track as it is that trend that that transformation from dinosaur to zootopia can be done why are we fucking around with moana again can someone explain to me i love the movie it doesn't need it has it has no reason to be an animal kingdom whatsoever and before we get the hate mail about well the oceans involved yeah i know i know i i get it you can have a manta ray everybody touch a manta ray and and then you can bring the mythical crabs in from from Tamatoa, and you can have the crack the kakamora coconuts shooting shit at you that's great but guy i think you said it great we'll get a we'll get a uh, it's too bad they took down the roller coaster over there because we could have just done a Maui roller coaster where at every turn you just turn into a different version of Maui. I, I mean, are we serious with this Moana love all of a sudden in the parks? So I think it's, it's funny because the Moana part of it is not the most egregious part of it. I understand why they would do it. Um, I mean, cause Pocahontas is vaguely an animal kingdom. It's you're getting a princess in Animal Kingdom, which is what their ultimate goal was adding Moana. It's the only thing that makes sense to me whatsoever. Um, I think Zootopia, as if you were going to do it, you should have just done it all Zootopia or all Moana. Not you can't have one foot here, one foot there. It's not going to work. They don't blend together whatsoever. They couldn't be any more opposite. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I think you really, they should have made a firm decision. I think Zootopia is insanely popular. Um, They should have just went with that. Or they should have really dug into the princess. You want a princess in Animal Kingdom? Make it happen. Give her her own land. 
and figure it out completely. Because, but that's the problem with doing that too. Is if you made it a Moana land, you would have to completely, you know, reconstruct the whole thing. Yeah. Listen. Here's the thing. I think, from a standpoint of Zootopia, with all of the different Sahara Square, Zootopia City Center, Tundra Town. You can do so much. I don't think people appreciate the size of Dino Land and the footprint that that Dino Land has for it to be a straight Zootopia land. I'm listen. I'm all for. I'm not one of those keep the princesses out of my parks. If you want to put Moana in, fine, whatever. But guy, you hit on something. It cannot be both. There is no need for that to be both. Because the land, while big, doesn't sustain both properties. They tried it with Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama, and the other side of it being the Dino-Institute. That didn't even make sense, and we've gone on record explaining the story of Dino-Land and why it does make sense. So, at at the end of the day, it's got to be one or the other. And again, Blue Sky Concept. We'll probably get Indiana Jones from the fifth movie when that comes out. Jesus Christ, God help me. Uh, Tim, what about you and Dino Land? You, I, I think, are, are appreciative of the story they tried to tell, but are you really digging this whole Moana and Zootopia Blue Sky concept, or do you think it should be one or the other at this point? No, I'm right with you guys. I, I think it's a one or the other deal. Um, and and as you said, I'm not, I'm not a hyper purist. I think getting a princess into Animal Kingdom, uh, a, another princess makes sense. I think Moana is an exceedingly strange choice. Um, I think that movie has very little to do with animals. It has a lot more to do with the earth and nature and spirituality and the nature of spirituality. Um, I think Zootopia could be a good fit. I think Zootopia probably is a good fit. I think uh, it's a wait and see. Obviously, they are in the middle of construction of Zootopia land at Shanghai and obviously you could just clone that largely over to um, here in Dinoland. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say other than that. I agree with you guys. The The fusion doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Uh, those two properties don't integrate well. Uh, this feels very much like Coco and Encanto uh, that we just talked about. Uh, but again, this is just another one where they've given themselves these giant, giant runways yeah. that makes any statement they made completely meaningless. Because, I mean, we don't only have to look back a couple of years at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and see what was blue skied and even promised for that land versus what we got. And uh, look back a freaking year at Avengers Campus, where when it was announced, everybody was like, oh, this is uh, so that they can actually deliver on it, that they aren't really trying to go nuts. And we did again, did not get, you know, literally half of what we were supposed to do there. Oh, we'll touch on Avengers Campus in a minute, because let me tell you, I have some thoughts about Avengers Campus, and they're not all negative. I actually dig where they're going with Avengers Campus, but let's touch on the cruise line real quick, because no D23 Expo is complete without a tip of the cap to the cruise line. Uh, The next Triton-class ship, I think it shocked a lot of people that we got the name of the ship, and and here's my thing. I, I read some articles uh, in the know, in some 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 industry sources here. Wow, we're already getting another ship. Yeah, they already told you there was going to be three Triton-class ships. You already knew this ship existed. Guess what? There's another one that's two years out of this one. So, yes, of course they're going to give you a name of it. I just... The, the, the amnesia and the short-term memory that people have 
It's well documented the Triton class is three ships. That's not surprising. Why is this big news to literally everybody else? I, I, I mean, what world do you people I, live in? I think it's kind of fair. I think there's people who are not nearly as tuned into this stuff. No, no, obviously. No, no. I don't care are. if I see friends on Facebook saying to me, oh, shit, they're making another ship. People that follow Disney Tim that have podcasts like we do reacting to this news like little children like they got some gift that they weren't expecting from the actual Santa Claus on Christmas blows my freaking mind because they know damn well it's disingenuous of them to say oh surprise we're getting the ship you asshole we're getting two more ships what are you talking about not you Tim you're not the asshole the other the, the other people I, it blows my mind if the no, normal, I, I, I got day, it I got you. If, if the normal everyday fan has no clue that there's three Triton class ships on order, fine. I don't expect them to know that. But people that do this for a living and get paid very well to do it from their advertisements and get all sorts of perks from Disney, and they come on their shows and tell me, holy, we got a new ship coming. You already knew that, you disingenuous douchebag. Anyway, it's going to be called The Treasure. I'm very excited about the name. I thought the ship announcement was pretty cool. Uh, you're going to get Aladdin and Jasmine on the carpet in the statue in the atrium. Tim, it looks great. Cruise is coming to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and Samoa. Uh, that'll be one of the smaller ships or, or, or the dream going out there once the 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 next ship, surprise, the treasure comes in uh, to play. And we did touch on Lighthouse Point again. Um, it, it is happening still. It is coming and something we've known for three or four years. And I don't even begrudge them this because I can imagine buying a new island and setting it up. And I think uh, Lighthouse Point did get slammed by a hurricane a couple of years ago. So I, I completely don't hold that against them that this is taking as long as it is. I honestly don't. And being in, in the shipbuilding business that I am in, I don't hold them responsible for delays on the ships either. I understand it's very difficult to get a ship of that size together. So I, the, the the cruise line delays and stuff, I get it. It's cool. I just get so, as you just heard, very frustrated when people misidentify the facts on that. Uh, anything surprising about this to you guys that we got the treasure name and, and Aladdin and Jasmine with carpet is the statue? Tim, are, are you excited about the treasure um, moniker at all? I'm, I'm indifferent to the, the name. Uh, I, I think it's cool that it breaks the naming convention. Uh, you know, thus far, all the Disney's ships have been named after these ethereal um you know qualities that that kind of represent the the nature of disney enchantment wish dream um so you know treasure is much more of a concrete um you know thing uh as opposed to these ones that are more named to ideas i guess the biggest surprise uh, for me, was certainly that Lighthouse Point is moving forward because, as Bub said, uh, the the island, uh, the land was purchased, got slammed by a hurricane. But the big thing was this was supposed to be Joe Rody gets the go ahead to do his thing and, and design uh, his fantasy island for the cruise to go to. And uh, shortly after that was announced, uh, Joe Rody retired and left the company. Uh, and now Joe Rody is fully retired. I don't believe he's e even in his advisory role at Virgin Galactic anymore. Um, so I, I, I'll be interested. I'm sure he will get brought on as a consultant for this project. And, and I look forward to seeing it. But this is another one that's probably a long way out. Uh, the only other thing I have to say about the cruise is because I couldn't really fit into the other with the 
the dates they announced for the dated things and the fact that nothing new beyond the dated things were announced. Um, it really cemented something that I've been kind of rolling around for a while. Uh, Rachel and I were, were two, two trips to Disney World a year people uh, for a long time. And uh, I think, uh, you know, our Disney vacation dollars, uh, certainly the next Disney vacation dollars we spend are, are going to go towards the Disney Cruise Line. And after that, we'll wait and see. But, uh, you know, we, we did the family trip this year. We brought her parents and her brother down there. So uh, I, I I don't foresee us back in Walt Disney World, barring some really crazy deals or a last minute travel before that Splash Mountain refurb opens. Uh, so we're going to try to explore the Disney Cruise Line um, and, and and maybe some of the international parks. Guy, how do you feel about the Disney Treasure? So I'm going to be a man of few words here on this topic. Um, I, when I first heard the name, I, my only thought was, great fucking name. Like, I just think that that is, like, one of the best PR moves they've done in a long time, where the average, like, when my mother hears that, my mother who's never doesn't care about Disney, doesn't care about cruises, is like, ask me about it. And it's like, oh, I heard about this. This sounds fun. I think you're going to hit a real broad audience with that. Um, and then the last thing that I'll ask you guys about, about this announcement really, is just like the Australia, New Zealand thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. If I'm going to fly 20, 20 hours to Australia, I'm not going to get on a cruise ship. I don't really know who this is really going to service. No, no. So, so you would fly out, to, for it. Well, you'd fly out to San Diego, I think. And you would take, um. This so is it a, one of their, it's a cruise from San Diego to... Well, no, so I think you'd fly out to the West Coast and you'd fly to a different port. You're not going to fly to Australia to take the cruise. You will cruise down to... I'm not sure what port they're going to use for this, to yeah, be honest. So, so this is... So, Guy, this is honestly not for you, and it may not really be for Americans. Yeah. Uh, cruising is huge, among yeah. uh, the the middle and up the upper middle class and and an upper class in China, uh, Japanese people in general, yeah. uh, wealthy people in Singapore. So this is uh, Disney tapping into uh, the the Pacific cruise market, which is yeah. is a, a growing cruise market uh, even faster than the U.S. cruise market. The other thing this is for is um, possibly Disney trying to. Uh, uh, court a, a more traditional cruising audience uh disney is positioned as a premium cruise product uh mm. which but it doesn't get the same crowd as other premium cruise products which is uh retirees who would have the money to spend to uh you know basically use a cruise a, as kind of a guided tour of multiple places they wouldn't plan a trip to otherwise um so this may be just disney putting forward an itinerary that isn't available uh, readily to that that audience and, and opening up um, their cruising to um, to that that more traditional cruise market yeah. that they don't have as much of a pull on as they, they probably think they should. The other thing is, I, I don't know, I, I, Jordana is a travel agent, but I don't know how much you follow all the news related to that guy. Uh, the ships that aren't the wish right now are offering deals to everyone. Initially, there was Florida resident deals, and then there was military deals, and then there was annual pass holder deals. And now they are just like, if you are willing to take a cruise on a ship that is not the wish, and you are willing to leave before uh, February of next year, we you you are going to get the cheapest prices you have ever seen on Disney yeah. Cruise Line right now. 
Yeah, for sure. A lot of good deals out there um, for the cruise line. So, yeah, I think that moving a boat makes sense because they can't sell out the boats that aren't the Wish right now. And they can't keep spots open on the Wish right now, you know. So this is, I think, just a a smart move all around for them. But lots of cool things happening on the cruise line. I think Lighthouse Point having that second option for their island is really cool, too. Um, And and like you said, Joe Rohde, that was going to be the concept art was was beautiful for that island. And I think a lot of it did get crushed by uh by the the storms a couple years ago um disneyland we're going to take a little bit differently i think because a lot of it kind of ties into we're gonna listen we've got a we've got a galaxy's edge disneyland has a galaxy's edge we are not the locals park disneyland is disneyland is getting the mandalorian and grogu meet and greet we are not we have mirrored lands we do not get mirrored experiences this is tim is this is simple as that's the locals park so they need to keep drawing people in and we are the vacation park so they want things to stay as originally intended for as long as possible is that what this is no because it's bullshit at this point i agree (laughs) no because they have they put their foot in their mouth twice senior level executives in the last three months where they talk about annual pass holders not being the kind of crowd they want at that park They don't want that park to be a locals park pretty explicitly. If anything, this is them throwing a bone to the magic key holders who are who have passes. They have a really weird situation there where no one who doesn't already have a pass can buy a pass there right now. They got people banging down their doors trying to buy passes. But the people who have passes are extremely frustrated because the attendance policy and the reservation policy there has become draconian to try to get people to not renew their passes. Uh, and I think this is another way that they can kind of have a inexpensive and easy, uh, you know, pressure release valve where they probably already have Mandalorian costumes and, and, and Grogu animatronics laying around that they could whip up real quick and kind of throwing that bone um, to those pretty unhappy magic key holders and those people who are there on, um, the uh, I think they're called the Explore and the locals only tickets that are being sold as a discount to placate people while they don't sell annual passes. Uh, on the flip side, Disney World would be a locals park if they would let it be because of the number of people who are willing to and actively trying to relocate to the Central Florida area, largely because of their love of Disney and the fact that it's a growing uh, you know market for for jobs and real estate and stuff. Uh, but again, not selling annual passes. I think the, you know, locals park versus once in a lifetime park is a crutch they lean on. But no, absolutely. If, if you're going to break break character on Galaxy's Edge on the West Coast, but not here, it, it just rings hollow. It, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. And, and the Mandalorian and Grogu should absolutely be in Galaxy's Edge here in or, uh, you know, on the East Coast. Guy, if I built an island for a flock of condors... Tim, what am I going to say about it? Right? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So so, so here's what I'm saying. Because for the longest time, Tim and myself would come on this show and explain that very same concept that Disney thinks of Disneyland as the locals park. Which, again, Tim just explained more eloquently than I ever will, that that in the last few months has not been the case at all. But at what point, because you're not a big Star Wars guy, right, guy? No. You're not a huge... So at what point do you stop giving a shit and just say, give me everything I know about Star Wars? You've got great, you've got two great attractions there. You've got great 
build. You've got a, a beautiful little land. Just give it to me. Like, why are we continuing with the charade that Galaxy's Edge is Batu and it's an outer rim planet that no one's ever seen before, guy? Why is this still happening? And as a non-Star Wars fan who could give a crap about it, I want to know what your take is on that. So, I mean, honestly, like Tim said, it doesn't make any sense. But even for me, the non-Star Wars fan, you know what I know what that meet and greet would do from park open to park close every day? It would eat people. It would be a 30 to 40 minute wait all day, every day. And those people wouldn't be in, you know, wouldn't be in line for Slinky. They wouldn't be in line for a rock and roller coaster. They wouldn't be in line for anything else. So it's a people eater and it would make people happy. That's what I don't get. That's what really kind of boggles my mind about it is the amount of people who would just be happy to have that meet and greet. Why not just give it to them? It wouldn't take anything. It really wouldn't yeah. take any effort. And no one's going to go, like, I don't care. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, there's no character that if I could meet them at Disneyland, I'm going to be like, I'm going to book a trip to Disneyland so I could meet this really exclusive character. No matter what it was, you wouldn't do it. So it's there's no attracting non-locals, basically, to come do it. So why not just get it everywhere? I mean, they are identical. I would, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. And I know you're not a big Star Wars guy. Here's the craziest part. The whole thing about like it being an outer rim planet and remote and blah, blah, blah. Other than the fact that the Mandalorian and the time period that Batu is supposed to be happening being different. The whole point of the Mandalorian character is he's this Ronin who is wandering around different planets, mostly on the outer rim. So you can really easily explain him being there. Because he's a guy without a home who flies around in a spaceship doing good deeds for honor or money. Like, it's the easiest character to insert into a place where he is not living or supposed to be. And you can, I, I don't think anybody has a real concept of, of the timeline issues unless they are deep, deeply into this Star Wars stuff. And then again, they break that immersion when they sell the legacy lightsabers in Doc Ondar's, which is supposed to be part of the story. But the key word there is they're selling a, a very expensive prop replica. So they're they're happy to break character there when you're giving them between $150 and $400, depending on what saber and what set it is. All right, well, we've done enough Star Wars tonight. Let's flip over to Tim's other favorite IP that Disney has recently decided to bring into the parks. The Avengers Campus out in Disneyland is getting a former co-host of the show, Andrew, our good friend, big fan of the Hulk meet and greet coming, and Tim, this new King Thanos attraction that's coming. I have a question, because I'm a King Thanos guy. Tim, go ahead. What do you got? Well, first of all, I I really want to push back on King Thanos attraction, because that is not what Bob Chapek said. Uh, So what, what exactly this is, is it is, quote, an attraction that brings the multiverse into the Disney parks and that we would be getting a brand new character who has never before appeared anywhere. King Thanos, who is quote, a Thanos from a timeline where he won. And all this means nothing because no one knows what this attraction is going to be. It's could be, they specifically said it could be villains from anywhere or when in the Marvel Mm -hmm. timeline and that, 
King Thanos is one of them, but is this the Quinjet attraction? Is this a meet and greet? Is this a Magic Band Plus interactive experience? Like, no one knows what the hell this is because nothing was given other than multiverse, uh, villains from all over, and battle. And that's all we got. So carry on. I just want to clear so, up. This is not a King Thanos attraction, though. So or with all it? that information, let's with all that information, let's play the game of assuming this is going to go into the Quinjet building that is sits empty. Let's go on the assumption that it is in fact King Thanos. Let's go on the assumption that it isn't going to be tied to a particular MCU event other than the fact that it was a multiverse where Thanos won. Is that not the way to do Avengers Campus to begin with? To just use the characters from the MCU, but don't tie it to events in the MCU because it instantly becomes dated? Is it, like, billions of dollars worth of thinkers and payroll and engineers go into this and build this lovely land. The one e-ticket we were going to get the Quinjet attraction doesn't happen for various reasons. The Spider-Man is a subpar version of Toy Story Mania, for what I'm told. I've never been on it. That's what I'm told. It's not good. It's very it's 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 perfectly average. It's a screen yep. ride. But honestly, the 20 year old Universal Spider-Man attraction is right. just simply better than it. But how is this not the way very similar to how what we just said about Star Wars? How is this not the way to be doing the the Avengers campus where it is just the characters and you can tell stories in the theme park that don't connect to the MCU synergy be damned? Why do they need to be so honestly, that is kind of what they've been doing a really good job at Avengers campus with doing. Um, so I was a big Avengers Campus skeptic. Then when Rachel and I were out there, um, it, it is a big campus full of modern buildings. But what separates it is, is it does really fulfill that promise where we were there in the release period of Black Widow. And uh, on top of that building that the Quinjet attraction was supposed to go in, they would just have a pop up show where uh, Black Widow fights off taskmaster and you know their lackeys uh and also this was in the run-up period to eternals coming out so there was another area where you could meet characters from eternal to build hype for the movie my understanding now is that kind of area where eternals was uh then became shang chi now is uh doctor uh doctor strange uh and there's uh you know kind of like a assault vehicle that um, Hawk, uh, Hawkeye was original meeting at. Now uh, various different uh, uh, Winter Soldier meets there sometimes. Uh, there was a, you know, Wakanda, the, the army. Um, there's like shows that happen in the streets with them. So I do really, uh, and then of, there's meet and greets throughout the day with Iron Man, Thor, and, and those classic core characters. So. This is kind of already what's happening with Avengers Campus. They've gotten very, very good at taking the characters from the movies, from the Disney Plus series, and getting them into the park, interacting with people, walking through the streets within days of their respective shows or movies, um, 
either premiering or during the the hype cycle to build to those movies. So hopefully this attraction is going to be capable of, of kind of matching that energy, but in attraction form, even though that probably means it is a screen based ride. And hey, guy, we're getting the Hulk meet and greet specifically from uh, Endgame. Endgame. In the suit, in the time travel suit, the white and red suit. Um, they said this is kind of the harbinger for other meet and greets of this style. Um, Andrew had referenced maybe a Thanos meet and greet, maybe a Maui meet and greet. And then I promptly sent everybody the nightmare fuel that was the Shanghai Maui meet and greet character, which scared us all. Um, so Hulk meet and greet, big deal, no big deal. Um, I think it's no big deal. I'd be more interested in the Hulk meet and greet if it was like a Lou Ferrigno style meet and greet where it was just a, a six foot four yoked guy with green paint on. I'd be really interested in that. Um, and then I got kind of a question, uh, mostly for Tim, I guess, because he's kind of the, the Disneyland guy mm-hmm. out of all of us. Yep. Is the Avengers campus, is this land like a failure? I don't, I don't really see what the big drawer is. I mean, the way I look at it, again, from an outsider, I've never been so, and I've never looked into it a ton, uh, but just from a complete outsider's perspective, the way I see it is you have the mediocre Spider-Man ride, which we already covered, and then you have a Tower of Terror overlay. I Like, what am I missing? So, so the Tower of Terror overlay is awesome. It's not an overlay. Like, it's what, probably the, one of the best queues in any Disney park. And it took what was a worse version of the Orlando Tower and redid it into something that's truly its own and rules. Uh, it, 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 it makes it so that it is on the same level as the Orlando Tower and a totally distinct attraction, similar to how the Tokyo Tower of Terror, though it shares a name, is a completely different attraction with its own uh, appeal and story and, and, and visual idea. So Guardians of the Galaxy already was an awesome ride, but that already existed. Um, Avengers Campus should have been a failure. Um, it's pretty universally agreed upon by people who really are into theme parks that the Spider-Man ride kind of sucks. But this ability to really adapt bringing the characters in, um, as I talked about, has been a smash hit, has made it so that the locals who go to this locals park want to constantly be coming back when the official Disney TikTok or Twitter is like, hey, old Loki from last week's episode of Loki is out there meeting people. And then the Spider-Man show that happens on the roof of the Spider-Man ride with the Stuntronic is truly, truly incredible. Um, the the shows that they have uh, slight variations on when they switch out the characters and stuff that are happening on top of the Quinjet battle are, are, are super cool. Um, it, it, it's got great exclusive merch that really appeals to, to hardcore Marvel fans. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the food stand at it, the restaurant at it, and the bar at it are all excellent. So I think uh, the, it's so much greater than the sum of its parts that somehow it overcame its e-ticket getting canceled and its B or C ticket being kind of shitty uh, to somehow kind of recover itself. And that's why I think we're seeing them say, hey, we're going to reinvest. We're going to finish this thing because it somehow has been a hit in spite of itself. Perfect. So they got lucky. I think they adapted. I, I'm willing to give them credit uh, on that. I think they adapted to a bad situation. 
Very rare for us to give credit. We've given credit, we've given credit a couple of times today. A uh, couple of things real quick before I really let Tim go nuts with one of these from Disneyland. And just in the interest of time, uh, Paradise Pier Hotel at Disneyland is getting the Pixar um, f- re-theming. Uh, the concept art looks spectacular for this. I- I'm really excited about this overlay. And it's not just a specific pixar movie it is an entirety of pixar's film library i think it's really going to be well done and and the hotels at disneyland the disney the three disneylands in particular are are really special they're all quasi high-end i mean they're they're all basically deluxe resorts out there and and the concept art to me looks fantastic disneyland is also getting an update on a lot of their nighttime entertainment uh, Wondrous Journeys is going to be a new show. It's a salute to like the 60-ish uh, animated classics. That's gonna That looks really, really fun. Uh, Magic Happens Parade, which I, I think was a pre-COVID edition and then never really came back, is coming back. This and blows that my mind, though. Did you out see, of this world. Did you see when it's coming back? Spring 23. Yeah. So this is a parade that yeah. ran for a it couple months before COVID. Yeah. Super technologically advanced, on par with the parades in Tokyo, smash hit with people, could not get a seat for it if you wanted to, goes away. People are like, why hasn't it come back? Why hasn't it come back? Disney's not giving answers. They're like, hey, it's coming back in many, many months. It's not like they can't do it because they're worried about inclement weather in Anaheim over the winter. Why is this not coming back? Why did they not do this announcement? You know, Magic Happens is returning Monday. Monday after this thing ends, it, why are we waiting nine months to do this? That's crazy. They, they probably need to train the actors again. That that is almost certainly. I yeah, that's probably it. Sorry, heaven I, forbid I, I used <laughs> so. And then further proving that we've jumped the shark on naming things. World of Color One for some freaking reason is coming and will be a part of Disney's. 100 Years of Wonder Celebration will feature scenes from Coco, Encanto's Soul, Moana, Mulan, and The Lion King. Can I ask what we're doing? Everything now is um, streaming something plus. Or now it's one what World of Color 1. What? What are we doing? I digress. We don't have time to jump into Jumping the Shark and why that's a relevant statement and why this name is just mind-blowing. It's an update to World of Color, which is um, fairly well-beloved over there. On on par with uh, with if, if they had told us we were losing Fantasmic but getting World of Color, I don't know that people would have been pissed about it. But, Tim, the biggest news, the, the best news... The funnest news that we've received is that um, Pacific Wharf area of California Adventure is finally, for some reason, getting its long overdue redo reset from that Disney California Adventure reset that happened earlier this decade. And we are getting San Francisco, Tim. And I got to tell you, there was no one I thought of first, other than my son, who also loves Baymax. I said, Tim is going to love this. And another instance of why can't we get something like this on the East Coast? But Tim, go ahead. San Francisco looks great. I mean, I, I think I think it's obvious why we can't get this on the East Coast, because Correct. you already have an area that's themed to San Francisco. So you just like build a second Correct. layer on top Very of it easy. that's kind of yep. cyberpunky and, and, yep. and call it a day. I think this is awesome. I'm super, super excited about this. I'm glad that Disney seems to really be recognizing 
that kind of like with Moana, um, where these movies of that era have massive followings that are 100% organic because Disney did very little in the interceding period to, to heavily promote these movies. But consistently, people are huge fans of Moana and Baymax. And now Baymax is getting his due. So I'm really excited about this. Wish it come to the East Coast. But hey, that's a reason to take another trip out to Disneyland yeah. um, and, and, and explore a park that I haven't been to as much. Uh, that said... Did anybody else notice what was missing from the Disneyland announcements? There was a lot missing from all these announcements, Tim. So yeah, I... there was a big thing that was missing. <laughs> Less than a year ago, or maybe it was a year ago, we got a big song and dance about Disneyland Forward, about yeah. how we are going to expand. We bought the land. We're going yep. through permitting, but that's a formality. They've hired lobbyists. They are working on getting the politicians they want elected to the city council and the mayor. And basically, Disney is the government of Anaheim. And we got no word about this massive possible third gate expansion at Disneyland. Yeah. I was shocked because we've seen concept art, blue sky concept art for Disneyland forward. And we didn't hear one word about it. Um, we did hear and I, I, I see that it, it got left off the bullet points. Uh, more concrete details of the downtown Disney retheme. Uh, yeah. God bless anyone trying to uh, hang out at downtown Disney. Uh, it is getting not only Din Tai Fung, but also Porto's, which is a Cuban restaurant, West Coast mm -hmm. micro chain that they also have at the Americana in uh, Los Angeles. These are two restaurants that never are not crowded ever. Uh, and it's just going to make Disney uh, downtown Disney even crazier and, and more of like a Disney Springs where you're going to get this mix of tourists and locals and, and people really wanting to be there because the food is now enough of attraction to bring people who couldn't give a shit about Disney to this area, uh, which seems like a, a big improvement over like Earl of Sandwich, but also uh, it kind of makes that area more uh, more more touristy and more crazy than it than it already is. Tim, um, nothing is going to be better than Earl of Sandwich. You guys take un an unprovoked personal attack at Earl of Sandwich. This is unbelievable. I I can't with you. Can how, I? How, I will, how will billionaire Robert Earl ever recover from me inserting, insulting his his mediocre sandwich chain that now you did, barely I just want you to know, Tim, you didn't just insult him. You insulted all of us. Uh, Guy, do you have anything to say about Disney Disneyland Forward or San Francisco coming to Disneyland? We're going to get right into the content, but it's your call. So I could probably go on for another five minutes about how great Earl of Sandwich is, but I think we should kind of just keep it moving. All right, then. Um, lots of content was announced Friday into Saturday. Lord help us, we've already been recording for about an hour and a half. I don't know that we would need to break down everything they've talked about they talked about star wars stuff coming they talked about marvel coming we did get some new announcements some new marvel shows i i, I get it i if you if you're tuning in to hear us talk about content you miss the week this isn't the week that we're doing it if if there's people out there that want to hear it then i will gladly go pull the list and we can discuss in a fine minutia everything they announced but i don't have the time or the inclination to do it so what is 
simple question what is your most anticipated content coming from friday and saturday uh guy you can go first i i, I love your pick it, it does look fun so for me um the the santa clauses is what really caught my attention the most um surprisingly with everything that happened with tim allen uh the last time around with the buzz lightyear movie this seemed like the one uh ip that didn't have any controversy attached to it I feel like everybody watched the trailer and was like, hey, you know, this looks fun. I'm excited for it. Um, I think a lot of what really hurts Disney Plus shows is kind of how cheap they make them, um, which this show benefits from. They have all these sets from the three movies, um, obviously more like the second and third movie that they can trot out. Um, So I think that's what's going to make it such a big success where they don't have to rely so much on the budget being wasted, um, you know, on, on bad CGI. Um, like the She-Hulk show, not to just kick a random show while it's down. I tried watching that. Um, it's it's unwatchable. The CGI in that show is unwatchable. Um, and I really kind of hate that about the Disney Plus content is it's really cheap. It's like a CW show, CW. So it's a CW show of a CW show. It's really, really cheap and bad looking. This seems very straightforward. Um, The scene, like I said, that they showed just with Peyton Manning looked fun. It's everybody doing what they do best. Just Tim Allen being Tim Allen. You get, you know, you bring in the people from the outside. And then they brought back most of the original cast. They brought back everybody you want to see. You really wanted to see Bernard. You're really going to want to see Charlie. And I, I guess some people still want to see Elizabeth Mitchell. I, I can't even tell you what her character's name is. I don't remember. I remember the actress's name, but not her character's name. Um, but it just looks like a nice, fun watch. It'll be super easy. Um, nothing to really get upset about, hopefully. Uh, so that's why I'm looking forward to that. Tim, any anything you're excited for here tonight? Mandalorian season three. I mean, uh, I'm excited for a lot of the Star Wars content, but literally we got nothing, nothing new in that department. I could care less about the Marvel content. So, yeah, it's really Mandalorian season three for me. So I have soured on the Marvel content as well. I it's it is what it is. I I, miss Marvel was a solid C minus. It was fine. I she Hulk. I'm not quite as angry about it as guy is, but it it isn't spectacular it is what it is um i'm not the guy that's upset that she was twerking with megan the stallion i could care less about that like it doesn't affect my enjoyability of the show that way as all the shows that great it is what it is um but for me the shocker is werewolf by night coming out in a couple of weeks um that looks like right in my wheelhouse of like a classic universal um universal monsters type format it's in a black and white setting uh werewolf by night's a kind of a very out there character um this won't be for kids though i will be honest this will not be for kids and tim one that i've always been talking about i think for 18 months anytime we do one of these episodes is the awaju show uh that's based in I, I, nigerian culture or, or, or laos uh culture it looks, looks a lot of fun it's kind of steampunky really cool vibes but again i feel like we've been saying for about 18 months that that Show is coming soon, which seems to be the general uh, thought behind a lot of these things uh, that they announced. Overall, guys, we're getting to the end of this now. 
Disney as a whole, and, and, and Tim touched on this earlier, doesn't seem overly concerned with Epic Universe in, in any way, at least outwardly, um, or any universal improvements over the last 10 years or so. I mean, you just look no further than the fact that a brand new um, original concept such as Velocicoaster is off the ground in 18 months, and we are still a half a year out from Tron, which is an eight-year-old concept that is literally off the shelf and put it there because they've already built it, uh, is should they be more concerned or are we overreacting to pop a rating, Tim? No, I mean, I already said it. Absolutely should be concerned. The fact that they're not concerned makes me, as a Disney fan, concerned. Yeah. Guy, what about you? I, we didn't really touch on it too much. I know Tim did. I I, are do that? Do you think they care inside, or do you think they literally could whatever? It's 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 a WWE versus AEW where yeah, that's fine, that's cute, but we're still number one type thing. So it does really seem like that to me. I don't feel like they can compete for twenty twenty five with Universal, and I think they've kind of thrown the towel in right now. Um, it just it, there's been so many things that just were bad looks at D twenty three. It's like, oh, we're going to have we're going to show you 12 seconds of him riding the Tron cycle. It's like, all right, well, if I would have known it was going to take this long, I just would have went, you know, across the ocean over there and and rode it because you got me hyped up for something that's it feels like it's never happening. I think that's been one of the biggest mistakes that Disney has made. Also, is just how long in advance they announce things. Um, as opposed to just, you know, put them walls up. You know, yeah, you, they clearly love putting walls up. Put walls up for two years and then say, hey, guess what? You know these walls? And build anticipation that way. Yeah. Like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do. I bet it's going to be this. I bet it's going to be that. And then they're like, hey, guess what? Get ready. Six months from now, we're introducing Tron. And then you can show that 12-second clip and people will go bananas for it because they have no idea it's coming. But when you've been waiting four years or however long it's been at this point, and then it's just like, hey, we're still not really even close yet. The ride's just safe enough that we can put a human on it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? I think people are super underwhelmed. Um, and that's kind of what the D23 was as, as a whole. It was just mm-hmm. a big underwhelming event. So they covered a lot in the 72 hours in, in, in Anaheim this weekend. It led me to ask the one question, does Disney have too many balls in the air at this point? Is there is there too much that they need to do between feeding the beast at Hulu, feeding the beast at ESPN, the parks all around the world, the cruise line, the the everything about Disney? Is it just do they have too much going on at this point, guy? I think what really threw them off is the streaming war kind of died. And now, right now, it is kill or be killed. And I think they really had to dump so much more into Disney Plus than they ever imagined. Um, When Disney Plus was originally announced as a concept, people were just excited about, oh, my God, you mean we're going to have access to all the old movies and all the old TV shows? And that's what people were have. Yeah, that's what people were originally paying for. And then it just turned into, you know, all these. Like I said, it, it really is. You know, kill or be killed, dog eat dog right now. You either need to make it or you need to break it because people aren't paying for eight different services anymore. You need to be number one, number two, or you're dead. 
So I think that really that shift changed with, you know, COVID and everything. People have less money to spend. And I feel like a lot of people are going back to cable, too, because now it's like it almost it costs more to keep up with all these different streamers than it was just to be like, all right, you know what? I'll just add the extra $80 now to get cable back with my Internet and call it a day because I can't keep up with all these streamers anyways. Tim, too many balls in the air at Disney? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think guys right with the streaming, they're killing it. They went big. They take the big swings and they're crushing it. And they were a clear, you know, top two or three. And now with uh, HBO Max being oh, the home Jesus. of unforced errors, uh, they yeah. are really just by default, I think, number one now, uh, especially with Netflix also now being really far on the back foot, budget cuts, quality cuts, project cuts. Uh, that said, um, you know, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, but it's run by a holding company that is entirely separate from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Disney really is now more than big enough that they need to start moving to that model. That Bob Chapek is the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and that handles, you know, Walt Disney Studios, Walt Disney Animation, and then there is an umbrella of companies under that that operate independently. Uh, and, and and that handles parks and probably resorts and cruises. Mm-hmm. And I, you could, these are still all massive operations, but trying to run a business as disparate as a luxury cruise line and the largest studio for entertainment on mm-hmm. earth. And now we're talking about how uh, we were talking a little bit about it before the, the show started. Uh, they really, this D23 hammered home that they consider Hulu, FX, even FXX, FX's Mm spinoff network, uh, ESPN always has been core parts of the Disney family, that they are as Disney as Pixar, as the parks. So now, I mean, you are just have things that are pulling this company in so many different directions that we are starting to get by the fact that if this company wasn't already the best at all these areas previously, that they would probably be falling apart at the seams. That, that inertia, I think, is really carrying them. And this D23 and and I think what is clearly our disappointment, a lot of things that happened at this D23 um, is 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 the crack starting to show is is the the foundation not being solid enough to hold up all the pillars that are they're trying to to have these days. So I, I do think they need to start looking into um, restructuring the company a little bit into an umbrella with various holding corporations under it that can, can operate with a, a greater degree of independence um, that once their budget's set, they do with it as they see fit. And, and, and they aren't borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, that, that the park's budget doesn't have to suffer during the same fiscal year to fund unexpected Disney Plus. That if, if, if Disney Plus overruns and, and parks makes more profit, well then you reevaluate that in the following year's budget. But I don't think that all these different businesses and and some of the very disparate stuff that we know is on the horizon that I don't want to get into right now, ESPN sports betting, um, that it's it's to the point where we need something needs to change or everything is going to suffer. All right, boys, here's the ultimate question. Give me a letter grade for D23 Expo 2022. Tim, the floor is yours. What is your letter grade for what you saw this weekend? 
encompassing all of it. I think you, I think there's a a certain amount we've discussed here tonight that the parks did not live up to what we wanted. But collectively, overall, what was your grade for the entirety of the weekend? Uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I think it's a bit clearer, listeners. I'm a lot more negative on this episode than I, I normally am on this show. I mean, for me, this was a a, a D plus. It, it was a D plus, bordering on a C minus. But uh, the fact that 100% of the stuff at the Star Wars panel was regurgitated uh, and less robust than the stuff from Star Wars Celebration, that the Marvel stuff was a weird revolving door of forcing these actors to fly out, sometimes from their imminently due pregnant wives to to vamp on stage and, and, and say, hey, watch my Disney Plus product. Bye. I'm going back again on a plane again. I'm just here because of my contract. It, even that stuff was was weird and stilted. The entertainment announcements were underwhelming, and then the park stuff really underwhelmed. Um, it, it's a D plus based on the fact that they're trying to show us that there's some light at the end of the tunnel, and that the museum exhibition looks cool. Uh, but but other than that, I mean, it it, it sucked. I, I had incredibly high hopes for the first D twenty three in the post pandemic era, um, and and it it underdelivered something fierce for me. Yeah, you're not as negative as me and Tim are, but what did you think? What was your letter grade for for this weekend? Um, so honestly, and I'm not trying to be cute here. I mean, I'd kind of give it an incomplete. Um, honestly, this was a real like breakfast ball D23 for me. Um, I feel like they hit the ball in the woods, and I think they can get. They're gonna get one. You get one mulligan. I think the the thing is, they still have everybody's attention. Uh. All the Disney fan base was on their phones this whole weekend getting updates. I know I was. I know we were chatting in the Discord the whole time. They still have our attention. Even though they did nothing really, they still have our full attention that we're going to sit there. Like we've been on this call now for almost two hours nitpicking everything they did. And I don't think we'll do that next time if this happens again. I don't think the interest is going to be there. I don't think people are going to care as much. So I think they just I think they're in a spot right now where, like Tim said, they need to get all their projects out. They need to get everything done and they need a clean slate. And I think for that next D23, they'll be able to really throw some Hail Marys. But right now, this was a real dink and dunk kind of D23. Just, you know, get into halftime, basically and try to regroup. I just don't think they were in a good spot, and there's nothing really positive. That This was as positive as they could make it. I want to agree with your grade, and I want to even say, oh, it was a C plus. It was an F. They had three years since the last D23. They've had a full calendar year since Destination D in Orlando, which was specifically about Walt Disney World. We've learned nothing new. They gave us blue sky concepts that, again, <clears throat> go back and listen to episode 151, the last six minutes. I went on a tirade of things they promised us three years ago that weren't mentioned and are never coming to the parks. And you can go back further than that to Project Gemini when they never had D23, when D23 was a twinkle in Bob Iger's eye. This was an F. They had three years to prepare for this. This did not sneak up on them. The lack of direction from a company that is billions of dollars in capital. I'm 
listen, it was a lost weekend, and I'm sure if you were there, it was great seeing everyone, the merchandise, whatever, going to the halls, meet and greets, shaking hands, kissing babies. I'm sure if you were there, it probably different, but from a vantage point for us sitting here, hang on every word, that these announcements were a straight F for me. I... And I, I hate, oh, you know, well, you guys are just so negative. They got a D plus and incomplete and an F. But I think we've explained our stances on why those grades are the way they are. If you're upset that I failed them, fine. But it's not my fault that I failed them. They had an extra year to prepare for this event to give us literally anything concrete. And they failed to deliver on that again. And I don't get up for Disney Plus content. I really don't. Not the way they constantly release previews and things on their various social media channels. So that, while isn't secondary to the weekend, it is secondary to my enjoyment of what I saw over the last 72 hours. And I I think it was just a dismal performance from a company that I expect much better from. And for a company that I think is going to be in trouble in three years when Epic Universe does open. And and, and hopefully that's the wake-up call. That's all. I, hopefully that's the call that says, hey, Overlang Splash Mountain, because it was racially insensitive, while an ambitious project and the right thing to do isn't enough to compete with the brand-new theme park. And, oh, that plot of land behind Big Thunder Mountain <laughs> really can't be used. Like, I, I, I just, I needed something concrete. If they had given me anything concrete, the letter grade's entirely different. But they gave me nothing. They gave me no new content that I care about. They gave me no new park stuff that I care about at the end of the day that we didn't already know was coming. And don't get me started on the cruise line again, please. I think we all know where I stand. Although the treasure name is solid, I will say that was cool. And like Tim mentioned, the only thing that I really get up in the morning for after this type of weekend is that traveling exhibit. It does look really, really legit. Um, But that is our show for this weekend, guys. Um, It's a lot. It's longer than I think we wanted it to be, but I think we covered a lot of ground. So be sure to listen to all of our previous episodes, including... Our expo recap from two years ago, or three years ago now, um, which uh, are available on all your preferred listening platforms and or devices. Uh, if you have any comments for Guy, Tim, or myself, or Guy's lovely wife, Jordana, please feel free to reach us out to us. Reach out to us at thedisneyguysoncensored at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, the best way to support the show is, of course, to tell a friend how much you enjoy it or how much you disagree with us. As always, thanks for listening to Disney Guys Uncensored, and we will see you next time. Bye.